When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying so like that, man. Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. Coffee and contemplation. Drink the coffee, it'll make you feel better. Sir, do you realize that you're not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystal? What? Picks you up, calms you down, hits that lifeblood that drives the dreams of champions. Now he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. Welcome to College Football Monday, brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. My name is Pete Berthod, and I come to you each and every week to recap the latest that's going on in college football and a heavy dose of what the Hokies are up to. You will notice this new logo because we do have a new title sponsor. McCoy's Auto Repair is our new partner, and we're excited to have them. We appreciate their support. They're a family-owned and operated business located right in Radford, VA. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about them later, but we're very, very happy to be partners with McCoy's Auto going forward on this show and on the 2D pod. If you are here with me, make sure to hop in the chat, uh, say what's up, like the video, subscribe, all the good stuff. I'm hoping some more people hop in here as we get going. It was a big victory on Saturday. We're going to talk a lot about the Hokies and it's going to primarily be about that. I am going to go into the other shows, the other games, whatever. Uh, can't talk this morning. It was it was a long weekend. If you follow the Too Deep account on Twitter, you know I was in Vermont for a wedding. I actually officiated the wedding. It was the first time I ever did that. So all of the podcasting did come in handy just a little bit for something actually important because my cousin got married and uh, it was awesome and, and it went well. Being in the car all day isn't great for going over the stats for every game. And so that's why primarily we're going to do the Hokies game recap in this episode rather than go through every single game in detail. We will talk about other games. Don't get me wrong. I still got eyes on some stuff and, and read a bunch of articles and, and tried to prep as best I could for this. But uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about that that Virginia Tech game. VT Corner comes at you early in this episode. Hokies 38, Pitt 21. This was probably the biggest win of the Brent Pry era. And I'm not sure it's a big debate because there hasn't been many. And the crowd was awesome. It looked amazing on TV. The whiteout, I know it's a Penn State thing, but the crowd showed out big time. And gosh, that was, it was such a relief and such a, a nice, a nice win, a nice complete win for the most part. And the game, we scored two touchdowns in the second quarter to separate a little bit of, and it was 21 to seven at the half tech increased the lead to 28 to seven. And it kind of felt like, man, we might romp them. Then there was that brief moment of panic, two quick touchdowns. The first on a 61 yard pass from Jerkovic, and then a defensive TD by Pitt on the fumble by drones. So this is the third game in a row. We see a fumble by drones and it cost us in this one. And they were only about 40 seconds apart. But our defense stepped up. Late in the third, Drones hit a wide-open Jalen Lane. He went 53 yards for the touchdown. We stuffed Pitt pretty much all fourth quarter out of a late field goal. 38-21, the Hokies win. The story of the game, it had to be Chiron Drones, right? I mean, the guy had five touchdowns, 
going to talk about that a little bit more. But the D only surrendered 38 yards rushing. And with as much as Robbie and I have talked about it, as much as everyone has talked about the rush game being our Achilles heel on offense and defense, it was amazing in this game. And I'm proud of both sides of the football for what they they put on for everybody on Saturday night because it our crowd did deserve that. A team that is sucking wind and wasn't good last year puts that crowd in Lane Stadium. I'm just so I come away so impressed with the Hokies fan base, and in this game, so impressed with our team for helping them out. The offense kind of looked completely different. That's that was a big takeaway from this game. We fed Tootin 28 total touches. This is what I was crying about last week. We didn't get him the ball enough against Marshall. And there was even a Malachi appearance in this one. We haven't seen much out of Malachi this year, and he showed the kind of running back we've seen in the past from him. Drones was dynamic. So what? That's run. That's defense. That's a dynamic quarterback. Hmm. That sounds exactly like what Brent Pry wanted before the season started. He kept talking about those three things. 199 yards rushing for our team. The most of the Brent Pry era. The yards per rush weren't great, but I don't care. We had to do that. We had to feed this these running backs against a, a tough, stout pit rush defense, and they came through. 400 yards of offense for Virginia Tech. That's only the third time under Pry we went over 400. The other times, Pitt last year and Wofford. So this was a great performance to put up 400 yards of offense for this staff that we know has struggled mightily to do it. And I'm going to give Bowen his flowers shortly. A lot of well-blocked tosses and sweeps in this game to get those 400 yards. It was, I don't know if it was, I think Ricky LeBlou said, was this an entirely new playbook? Because that's what it looked like in this game. And it was very nice to see. Highest scoring game of Brent Pry's tenure. So you got the most yards rushing. You got only the third time going over 400 yards. Highest scoring game. When you break this many records in one game, you know it's been a tough stretch of offense for the Hokies. But we're not complaining in this episode. We are happy. And gosh, five touchdowns. Five touchdowns for Chiron Drones. I think it was David Cunningham who put out the tweet of the last few times this has happened. We had Gerard do it in 2016. We had Josh Jackson do it against ECU in that wild game where Cam Phillips went off. Uh, Logan Thomas in 2011. I mean, those are the only three times in the past decade that it's happened. And so this was this was really sweet and a really great game for Chiron Drones. His QBR was 89.7. 15th highest in the country for the weekend. That's 112 quarterbacks. There was a number of buys. 112 quarterbacks. He had the top QBR in the ACC and number 15 in the country, a 216 passer rate. The big plays were also extremely refreshing to see. We had the long one to Felton. We had the long one to Lane in the clutch when we needed a a play to, to secure the game. There was also... That short third down where Chiron shook off a guy in the backfield and then did a juke and got the first, like, it was wow, dude. Like, the, the plays he was making, the, the runs for the touchdowns, the short yardage runs, and his final stats in the run game don't look good because he had the big losses. 
but he had 86 yards gained on the ground, a couple long gainers at key moments in the game. And so I'm very proud of the way he played because it wasn't pretty against Marshall in the passing game or just overall. He didn't have the best game after that, his first appearance against Rutgers. And this was, this was a coming out party of sorts against a pit defense. Pitt stinks. We know that, but they still put a good defense on the field and you didn't see it on Saturday night. You just didn't see it. The defense actually held Pitt to negative yards in the second half on the ground, just 38 yards overall rushing. 38 yards rushing for Pitt. They held Pitt to two for 10 on third down, including that big one in the first quarter where we stuffed them on the third and two. Like Those are the moments where you're just like, all right, is that painful rush D going to show up here? And the D line stepped up, man. I mean, JC Price said he challenged them this week. We saw some fire from Mario Kendricks and Payne, and that unit really came to play. Four sacks in the game, only 14 points allowed by the defense. Because keep in mind, seven of their points came on that sack fumble. Lowest point total of the season. I think it's the lowest amount of points we'd allowed on defense since the third week of last year. Because in the first three games of last year, if you remember, we were like, oh man, this defense is for real. Because against ODU and Wofford and BC, they held the opposing team to under 14 points. Well, we did that here. 14 points for Pitt on offense. And they really were just on two big busts. And outside of those few big plays for Pitt, I thought the defense really played well. And this game really wasn't close. I know it got within seven points, but look at the time of possession. Look at the first downs. It was 25 to nine first downs. We out first down them. I mean, we really dominated this game and it was a very impressive performance and one that the team and the fan base desperately needed. Bowen put together a really good game plan in this one. 427 yards for his offense. It was executed so well. I saw multiple tweets on the timeline that were like, Bowen is in his bag. A phrase the kids like to say, I didn't know he had a bag. I I wasn't sure Bowen had a bag. I don't think anyone else thought he had a bag. But we saw a really well-called game, a very well-designed game plan against a very tough rush defense, and we ran for just near 200 yards. So kudos to Bowen. If he can somehow resurrect his image to me, to Hokie Nation, to all the people that podcast and cover this team, it would be a great comeback story. So let's hope this is the start. And we'll see some other really good offensive performances as we get further into ACC play. 1-0. 1-0. We are in the conference. That's a nice place to be. <laughs> I'm not sure if this will have a great impact on our bowl eligibility quite yet. Because we do have Florida State up next. That's the win probability in that one is low. Let's, let's be honest about that. But BC, UVA, Wake, NC State. All of those teams look beatable. I, I'm there's I'm not going to ever say we'll go 4-0 and in those games, but those are winnable games. Those teams have not played well. Their quarterbacks have not played well. Castellano's coming on a little bit for, for BC. I'll talk a little bit about that game between UVA and BC shortly. The SP Plus has our win probability for UVA at 68. It has BC at 67 and it has NC State at 48%. So flip a coin on that NC State game, a game I'm going to be at. I'll take that for right now. And I, 
I bet the weight game is, is somewhere in there too. I got those numbers from Shelton Moss on Twitter. Thank you, Shelton. It just, it just feels good to win. It just, I, it was, I could feel the relief on the timeline. I could see it. I could feel it in the stadium. This is great here. Here. Chiron is the real deal. Love to see him having success. These are, I'm reading off some comments. If you're listening to the pod later, I will post this to the podcast feed as always later. But if you're here with me on YouTube, hop in the chat. Thanks for the comment. Barely anonymous. Less bleak on the ball chances. Yes. Um, but we'll see. I think we're going to get a couple more wins. And I said last week, if this team goes one and 11, two and 10, what will we see happen? Well, I said it was unlikely we'd win only one game, and it was unlikely because this pit game was perhaps the most winnable game on our schedule left, and we got it. And I say that because the UVA game and the BC game, they're on the road. And who knows what will happen against NC State. I mean, that's still a team with some decent talent. And uh, But whatever. Let's talk a little bit more about this game. We got a comment here from Les Hodges. Almost looked like someone totally different calling plays on offense. So kudos to Tebow for figuring things out. Go Hokies. Yeah, my sentiments exactly. It, it it felt like they got another assistant in there and be like, can you come up with some different plays? Because we, we got to get to the outside in this game. And they did. There were so many plays that went to the outside and gained positive yardage. And none of it happens, though, without Kyron playing the way that he did in this game. He looked mature out there. He looked calm even after his mistake. And that is a testament to just facing adverse, excuse me, facing adversity and overcoming it. And he did that. We're going to talk more about the pit game and the FSU game coming up on our show later this week, but Jordan Travis is a little banged up, right? And I joked about how Tom and, Bill said they should sit him, tra- Travis against the Hokies, which is extremely disrespectful, but maybe not unwarranted with how we've been looking. Does this change the way FSU approaches our upcoming game? Maybe it doesn't. They're, they're a lot better than us. They're coming off a bye. But can we at least throw some punches? Can we at least make them think a little bit? And maybe if our defense has this type of rushing performance, because – Florida State hasn't rushed the football well. They haven't. And our corners are are pretty solid, save for the the Bub Means bust. It might be a somewhat favorable matchup. Now, the problem is Travis runs the ball really well. But if we see their backup, I don't know, man. We could keep it. We could potentially keep it tight. I'm not starting the lies. I'm not starting the lies. I'm just being realistic. If we can build on this performance, if we get this team that we saw, there's a chance that we could not embarrass ourselves in Tallahassee. And that's really what we all want is just go down there, no injuries, don't embarrass ourselves, come home and get some more wins in ACC play. Before I talk about our sponsor, I did just want to show off the shirt. I got the Pride Gets It shirt on. Yes, I ordered this over the summer. It was a, it was a one off on Etsy. I wanted to see how it looked with with the photo. It was super cheap. I'd give it a try. Haven't been able to wear it with any pride, pride, pun intended, until now. So I got the pride gets it shirt on. Not sure how many more appearances it'll make, but I'm enjoying it today. It's silly. That's all that is. 
Pardon me. As I said at the top of the show, College Football Monday is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. Who doesn't love supporting a local, family-owned, and operated business? That's exactly what you get with McCoy's. Established in 1980, they offer full service, including major and minor repairs. They also do oil changes, state inspections. I'm always looking for spots, like a good, trustworthy spot to get my oil change and do my state inspection. So that's clutch. Engine transmission repairs or rebuilds, diesel repairs, fleet service work. They also sell just about any brand of tires. So you can go there for all your tire needs and even have the option to pick up and drop off your vehicle if you can't make it there with work. So head to McCoy's Auto Repair for all your vehicle maintenance needs or give them a call at 540-639-2933. You can also find them on Facebook. Easy to find Facebook page. I found it last night. No problem. Just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. So head to McCoy's Auto Repair. Week five around college football. Texas took care of Kansas 40-14. to Another impressive win for the Longhorns. They were the team that were my number one in my playoff four last week. It was against Bean, not Jalen Daniels, at quarterback for, for Kansas. But Kansas was 4-0 and playing well, and they've been an improved team over the last two years. So this, to me, was an impressive victory by Texas. That's why I'm hitting it off the top. I will get to Notre Dame in a second here. Brooks went for 218 yards for Texas. They ran all over Jayhawks. Two touchdowns for him, over 10 yards a carry in the game. In SEC action, we had that wild Ole Miss LSU game, 55-49. Insane offense. And the quarterbacks in this game both played outstanding. Big swings. It was all Ole Miss to start, and then it looked like LSU was going to take it. But Ole Miss came back to their credit and they were down nine in the last five minutes, came back, took the lead in the fourth. Huge win for Lane Kiffin. Probably the biggest of his tenure, to be quite honest. And this keeps Ole Miss in the SEC race going forward. They have the loss to Bama, so that's going to be tough head-to-head. But I thought this was going to come down to LSU and Bama in the West. And now we're going to see how Ole Miss does throughout the rest of the year. Really, really big win for them. Speaking of Bama. They beat Mississippi State 40-17. to It's always tough playing with all that cowbell in your ears. And Milrow was really good, man. Highest QBR of the weekend for all quarterbacks was Jalen Milrow. Now the stats, the you know, the, what do you call it? The normie stats aren't, <laughs> they're kind of pedestrian. But 10 for 12 passing, 69 yards rushing, two touchdowns. And with LSU losing that game to Ole Miss, this puts them in the driver's seat for the SEC West. And and they are my favorite for the SEC West. And they may just be my favorite to come out of the SEC and make the playoff. If Milrow continues to look like this, and if he can continue to improve, this is a real team. That defense is awesome. So I'll talk about my playoff four a little bit later. Georgia was in a dogfight with Auburn. And that's why this is the playoff four is coming in. Coming into question here because this is the second time now. And if you go back to last year, we saw Georgia mess with Mizzou. So you've seen them kind of have a one-off where they don't play well against a lesser opponent. Well, we've seen it two times now against South Carolina a couple weeks back and just against Auburn. And Auburn was winning this game. And Carson Beck, he was good, threw for 313, and they were able to escape. But they just 
they just don't quite look like the Georgia we've seen. They, they're not the complacency of winning a couple titles. I think we saw this with Clemson. Like it's catching up with them this year. And Sam talked about it. I talked about it. the statistical improbability of going undefeated. I'm starting to believe it here and they're going to have to play someone tough. Yes. The schedule's weak, but they do have Tennessee and they're going to have to play someone tough in that title game. Kentucky ran all over Florida, won 33 to 14. This is a game where I thought Florida was going to kind of expose Kentucky because Kentucky hasn't played, hadn't played anyone tough at all. Their schedule was so weak, but 329 yards rushing. They almost broke the SEC rushing record in this game. 280 for Ray Davis. He was sensational. I don't know what happened to UF, but this was really impressive for Kentucky. Could they give Georgia a game next week. That's the game. It's Kentucky and Georgia next week. And that just became a lot more interesting to me. Tennessee beat South Carolina 41 to 20. They pretty much led the whole time. Neither QB was very good. Beamer looked a little flustered in the post game. This was the first time we saw Spencer kind of struggle too. Spencer Rattler, that is. AM beat Arkansas. That's AM with their backup quarterback, beat Arkansas 34 to 22. Good win for them. Bama goes to College Station next week. Could could Bama be on upset alert? I'm just talking about how I think they're going to come out of the West and maybe go to the playoff, but they got a tough one next week. Oregon State beat Utah on Friday night, 21-7. to Man, does Utah need Cam Rising back. <laughs> that they need, they need some better quarterback play. And if they get him back, I still think they'd have a shot to play for the title in the Pac-12, but they do not. I got a comment here from Kenny. Cam Ward is the best QB in the nation and is the Heisman front runner. Let's go Washington State. Oh, well, that's that's a bold statement because there's a bunch of good quarterbacks in that conference, but Cam Ward is playing at a very high level, and I do like what Wazoo has done so far. USC took their foot off the gas against Colorado, and they almost made them pay. 48-41, USC escapes. That defense stinks. I talked about it in week one. That USC defense stinks. They are not going to the playoff. That like that schedule is too tough down the stretch, and they have too many good offenses to face, and a banged-up Colorado team without the lines of scrimmage. I know maybe, maybe USC just put in backups and whatever, but 41 points to a team that Oregon just held to six, that's not a good look, man. Oregon, Washington, Utah. Oregon State, there's a lot of good teams in this conference. USC's not going to the playoff. And they got Notre Dame in two weeks. I think it's in South Bend. So good luck against Sam Hartman with that defense. Speaking of Notre Dame, they beat Duke at the very, very end, 21 to 14. College game day was there. It was a feel-good day for Duke. ND got up 13 to nothing, though, and it <laughs> it kind of felt like they were going to run away with it. Or at least sit on Duke and just and just close it out. But Duke scored at the end of the third quarter. They got another score score early in the fourth to go up 14 to 13. And then it looked like they were going to close it out. They had Notre Dame pinned and the Domers had a 10 play 95 yard drive capped with a 30 yard run by Estime to take the lead. They got the two point conversion. They went up by seven and they won the game 21, 14. I would say Sam Hartman wasn't great but they were missing some key playmakers on the outside. And he did lead that final drive. 
And so against that Duke defense, take take the color and the name off the helmet for Duke. And if Sam Hartman has this performance against a team with their stats, we'd be like, Sam Hartman, amazing, amazing game. He brought them back when they needed it. And that's that's the way I'm going to take it because Duke is legitimately good. And it proved this game proved to me how good they were because they fought back. And even though they beat Clemson earlier in the year, I feel like a lot of people thought that was Clemson falling all over themselves and not Duke being that good across the lines of scrimmage because they went toe-to-toe with Notre Dame. And at times were really pushing them around. But Notre Dame survived, and I credit them for that. They still got a chance at the playoff. Notre Dame does. After they go to Louisville, which now Jack Plummer was playing well, and he came crashing back down to earth this past weekend. And uh, that looks winnable. And then they have the USC game. So get through the Louisville game, and it sets up a monster matchup between Notre Dame and USC. And if Notre Dame wins that game, they're going to be starting talked about as the best one-loss team and potentially the, the team to make the playoff outside the conferences. Riley Leonard, unfortunately, suffered a high ankle sprain in the loss. And that I hate that so much. Here's the good news. Duke is off next week. Then they get a what I'm going to call terrible NC State team, a team that Duke should beat easily, even if they have to play a backup quarterback. Because Brendan Armstrong and NC State look awful. And then they're home. They're at home in that game, and then they play FSU. And so if Riley Leonard can get healthy in the next couple weeks. It's not easy with a high ankle sprain, but if he can get healthy, I, I want to see him healthy before for the Florida State game because that is that would be a shame if that got ruined because he's injured. They have a legitimate chance to go to the ACC title game. Duke does. They really, really do. This wasn't an ACC loss. They're still looking good in the conference. And so I want to see them I want to see them healthy going into the FSU game. I got a comment here. Barely anonymous. Unfortunately, I don't think Duke is going to be the same team without Riley Leonard. Yeah, they're they're not going to be. They're not going to be. But they're going to be, I think, good enough to beat NC State. And then hopefully he'll be he'll be able to play. It, the thing is, he probably won't be himself in three weeks. Like that, that's that's what stinks about this. Moving on to other ACC notes. Louisville and NC State played just an absolutely gross game on Friday night. Louisville won 13 to 10. Congrats, you're 5 and 0. You actually dropped four spots by moving to 5 and 0 in the FPI because of how bad that looked. GT lost to Bowling Green, speaking of gross. Bowling Green is not good. They're really not a good team. GT dropped 18 spots in the FPI after the loss. It was 14 nothing Georgia Tech in this game and they had 38 points scored unanswered by Bowling Green, and Bowling Green won 38-27. I was giving Haynes Kang and Georgia Tech some compliments last week. Well, that that's 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 unfortunate because they they looked bad in this one. BC came back to beat UVA. That, that was for some of our Hokie fans. They probably love that. BC scored 17 points in the third quarter, only gave up three in the second half to win 27-24. Musket actually played in this one, and it looked like the right move for UVA until it wasn't. And they, UVA 0-5, man, it's tough. I think they got William & Mary coming up. Who fans? Get a win. 
get a win. Castellano still looking like a playmaker for BC. He's, he's going to cause us some problems because he can do it in the air on the ground. He's got 250 yards in this game uh, total. He he's He's still playing pretty well. Clemson pretty much whipped Syracuse 34, sorry, 31-14. Clemson's D showed up. They gave up less than 300 yards to a Syracuse offense and a quarterback and trader who had been playing really, really well. So good job by Clemson. That's a solid win coming off a tough loss to Florida State. So hard spot for Clemson, and they they came out. They just played a great game and won. Other notable games from Saturday, Michigan smoked Nebraska 45-7. to Penn State played around just a bit with Northwestern, but ultimately crossed 41-13. Washington and Oregon both won. Oklahoma was back to Death Star status. <laughs> they they crushed Iowa State 50-20. to Dylan Gabriel was ridiculous. WVU won again. Neil Brown continuing to have that team playing hard. They moved to 4-1 and one after beating TCU. Purdue got a win. Hey, that's one of the teams we played. They got a win over Illinois. Illinois does not look good this year. Iowa bounced back. Maryland looked really good in a game against Indiana. They could be dangerous. They could knock off some of those Big Ten East teams. They really could. Maryland's looking solid. In the AP poll, I don't have my graphic this week. I'm sorry. I had limited time to prep for this after getting back late. Florida and Kansas dropped out of the poll after their losses. Kentucky and Louisville are in. So two teams from Kentucky hop into the rankings. We got five ACC teams now in the rankings. Utah dropped eight spots to number 18 after their performance. Duke only dropped two spots, which is, that makes sense because it was Notre Dame. They're down at 19. LSU dropped 10 spots, sitting at 23. No change to the top seven. We got Georgia at number one, Michigan number two, Texas number three, Ohio State, four and FSU five Penn States after that. And then Washington. So that's your AP poll. I'm still waiting for some of those big upsets this year. It's been, it's been mostly chalk or just good teams losing to other good teams. When are the upsets coming? Could be next week. It really could be. There's some good games on the docket before I tell you about those games. I got to give you talk about compass coffee. That's the other sponsor of this podcast. 16 locations in D.C. and Northern VA. They're the go-to cup of joe. You hear me talk about them every week. Founded by two Marines, they wanted to make a cup of coffee to point you in the right direction every day, kind of like a compass. Right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off your order. So download the Compass Coffee app or load up your cart online. Have it shipped to your house. They'll ship the coffee right to your house. Use code 2DEEPVT to get 20% off your order. Compass Coffee, great coffee, doesn't have to be complicated. My playoff four, let's do it. After I give you the playoff four, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Hokies. Bama replaces Georgia in my playoff four. So I had Georgia in the three spot last week, but I'm moving Bama in there because although Georgia's undefeated and they've been undefeated forever, <laughs> Bama has a great defense, and I'm banking on Milrow the rest of the year. If we don't see that terrible performance against USF where Milrow didn't play, do I ever knock Bama out of my top four? I probably don't because I had them in there at the beginning of the year. They, Them and Georgia were in my playoff four. Well, now I'm taking Georgia out because my prediction now stands Bama going to the title game, beating Georgia, and making the playoff. 
still don't have a Pac-12 team in there, despite that being potentially the best conference in the country, because I just still think they're going to beat up on each other too, too much. There's too many good teams. I, I really like what Oregon's doing. I think they're my favorite right now to come out of the Pac-12, but I think they're going to catch a loss or two, and I just don't know. I don't know how you keep – it's just going to depend on who goes undefeated, right? Because not all of these teams you see here, Texas at number one, Michigan at number two, Bama at number three, and Florida State at number four, they're not all going to go undefeated. That just That just seems too improbable. So if Oregon has one loss and another one of these teams has one loss, who gets in? Who won their conference? Who lost their conference title game? I don't know. But this is my prediction as of today. The Ole Miss win looks even better for Bama. That's one reason I put them in there. And they have the best loss of anyone in that it was to Texas. It was at home, but it was to Texas. Keep in mind, Notre Dame's loss was also at home. And I think I think Texas is a better team than Ohio State. And so, and obviously the Michigan being in here, that all depends on the Ohio State game. Michigan looked like themselves, crushing Nebraska like they should have. They looked more like themselves. They got Harbaugh back. They're still my pick to beat Ohio State, beat Penn State, and go to the playoff. But Penn State's going to have something to say. Ohio State, the team's from the back 12 but this is my playoff four as of today. Next week, there's some good games. We got Red River, which I just cannot wait for because although Oklahoma had the bad game, well, I... They they got the win against Cincinnati, but it wasn't it wasn't a great game for them. That's going to be a really tough because in every other game, Oklahoma has looked like the real deal. I'm going through my my phone here. Let me get this off the screen for you guys. Yeah, that one's at noon. It's always at noon. Red River, Texas, four and a half point favorites. Syracuse and North Carolina should be a fun one in the ACC. Alabama, Texas A&M. I mentioned that earlier. Georgia, Kentucky. Talked about that. What else we got here? Notre Dame and Louisville. That is a ranked matchup now because Louisville popped into the rankings. Fresno and Wyoming. Really good G5 game right there. That's in Laramie. Oregon State at Cal. Nothing. I don't even know why I'm mentioning it. Sorry, but Oregon State I really like. I called the Beavers potentially fraudulent earlier in the year. They got a big win this past weekend, so I want to give them credit. But I still think Oregon State's going to going to catch maybe three to four losses this season. And that pretty much does it. There's a bunch of teams on by. We got, looks like six ranked teams on by, but Red River alone makes next weekend awesome. We got Tech and FSU. Going back to, to our game against Pitt. Hokie Nation desperately needed that win. And if you're on Twitter, we had Hokie Hack call in during the Marshall game. People on the X app need to, need to get off the X app a little bit. And that, that probably is right. And I mentioned my friend Brian, who said, like, did we not see a tough year coming when we're when we're losing to Marshall and Rutgers? Now, we all saw a tough year coming, but I don't think we thought it would look as ugly as it did through those first few games. What we saw the other night was what I was hoping for. A much more solid defense, particularly against the run, and an offense that wanted to have a dynamic quarterback who ran the football. Even if it was going to be Grant Wells going into this year, we thought they were going to run the quarterback more and keep the defense on its heels. And that's what we saw in this game. They used a, a legitimately all-conference 
caliber running back in Bashal Tootin the right way in this game, getting him the ball 28 times in the pass game and the run game. And Bowen put together an impressive game plan. So I, I need to give him credit because all we've done is rip him. Not just me, not just Robbie. Everybody's ripped him because he's been legitimately terrible as an offensive coordinator. And he deserves credit for putting together a great game plan against a pit defense, which although Pitt is not good, their defense is still solid. Their D line was playing good. Their rush defense was playing outstanding before this game against a lot of good opponents. And we put up 199 yards rushing on that defense. So full credit needs to be given. Let's see what we got here from Andrew Berlin. Pete, if we're this good with our backup quarterback, how good will we be when our starter comes back? That's good. That is, that is a, a fantastic comment. Thank you, Andrew. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with the backup. This is a, a Nick Foles in for Carson Wentz situation. Chiron Drones is the hot hand. And it does beg the question, how did these coaches not play him? With how our offensive line had to be looking in camp. Because all we kept hearing about is how the D-line was dominating and getting to the QB in camp. How were you not needing to start the more durable, bigger, better running threat in Chiron Drones when the season started? That It still baffles me, and I keep seeing that question on Twitter, and I don't have a good answer. Because he's clearly the right choice. He was the one with more eligibility, more upside. It's It's just nice that... He has solidified his his role. With this game, there is no question now who's going to be the starter for the rest of the year. You have to give Drones the rest of the starts barring injury because he just gives this offense a different dynamic. I got one more here from Andrew. Seriously, what was Wells showing in practice to make Drones ride the bench? I don't know. Is our playbook limited with Drones? Ask Andrew. It doesn't seem like it. If anything, the playbook looked... Like it had more things to offer in this game with Chiron Drones. And and maybe it was an entirely new playbook. Maybe they're like, all right, let's 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 dust off whatever this thing is we have in the corner here. Let's use this one. Uh, I don't know what it was. We saw some, some Fuente sweep action. Maybe they found a playbook in the closet. I don't know. But I was happy to see it. And I'm totally psyched for the guys. They The team needed this. They've been hearing the criticism. They've been hearing it. And... They stepped up. The defense stepped up. The senior stepped up. And it was just, uh, it feels good to win. As I said, I don't need to belabor it. Thank you for joining me, you guys. I'm going to post this to the feed later. Make sure to like the video. If you're here with me, please like the video. That helps us out. And join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Thank you to our new sponsor, McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. Make sure to check them out for your oil changes, your maintenance, everything. And until next week, Go Hokies.